I don't even know how I have 40 followers on Twitter, to be honest with you. We're talking sports. I got two. Oh, you have two now. With a couple of guys you've never even heard of. I don't really understand it. It's, It's crazy. It's Moving the Goalposts. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and tell a friend. Moving the Goalposts wherever you listen. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Moving the Goalposts. I'm your host, Nick Mara, joined by my co-host, Mike Masala. Mike, how are you now? I'm doing well, brother. How are you? Not so bad. We're also joined by producer extraordinaire, Andrew Me and Mian. What's up? I'm still in awe. Like, I didn't go to bed till like one last night. <laughs> well, I didn't go to bed until like one last night either, but I have different reasons. Yes. What a weekend of football. I think Back in the day when only six teams made it from each conference, you could make the argument that wildcard weekend was the most exciting because there were a bigger chance of upsets. You had two teams from each conference that were getting buys. So the, the matchups were a little bit closer. I think it's safe to say now that we've gone to seven teams aside, divisional weekend is when the playoffs really start in the NFL. Yeah, it's been really crazy. Um, we had four great matchups this past weekend, making up for some not so great performances from some of the lesser teams the week prior. So I honestly, this is, this was one of the better weeks of football I've, I've watched um, in my lifetime, at least. Yeah. That was a shot of shot of adrenaline last night. Uh, especially after, yeah, I mean, we all know it. Wildcard weekend was just God awful. Even for some of the six seeded teams, like just te- there were too many teams that did not belong being in the playoffs and that made me think like all right why don't we just go back to like six teams two you know teams get a buy like this shit is not worth it oh baby then la- then last night happened then saturday happened and that was needed that like a shot in the arm Oof. and you know what during the season it wasn't really like there were any teams that were that much better than everybody else i mean you had your favorites you had your top seeds from each conference that especially were, in the afc you know, yeah no, but no real separation the nfc like you had Green Bay and Tampa Bay at the top of the NFC, but it, throughout the year, you also had the Cardinals and the Rams that were kind of jockeying for position in the NFC West. Now one of those teams is going to be in the conference championship. I mean, just starting on Saturday with both one seeds going down from each conference, let's start off with Cincinnati and Tennessee. I was big on the Titans coming into the postseason. I thought that them getting Derrick Henry back was going to be you know, you speak about a shot in the arm, Andrew. I thought that was going to be the ultimate shot in the arm for the Titans. Look Home field too. advantage throughout. Yeah, I mean, it, it, to me, it wasn't shocking. The, the result was shocking, but watching the game, seeing how Cincinnati played, how they endured through the pass rush of Tennessee, and they just kind of stuck around and, and made it enough of a game so that at the end they could pull it out. I just I think the Bengals get deserve a ton of credit, and if there's going to yeah. be a, the biggest winners from this weekend, it's got to be the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, I don't know. I, I got to look up what the line is right now, but, you know, between Cincinnati and Kansas City, but Burrow got sacked nine times, nine times, and they still won. I think there were a couple of times where Tennessee really, I mean, Tannehill looked awful, first of all, um, Tannehill of old. But, you know, there were some decisions, too, by Tennessee that really screwed them. Like, going for two after your first score in, what was it, the second quarter? Like, yeah. Why? Don't take points off the board. That's how you lose. And they lost. Mike, did you, did you agree with how Tennessee handled the end of the game? 
I wasn't in dis. I wasn't in disagreements. I guess I, I don't know. I don't know what I would have done differently. Well, I think in that I, situation th- there was just for anybody that's listening that wasn't totally you know locked into that game. Towards the end of the game, Tennessee had possession of the ball and they were pretty much running the clock down until they got to roughly midfield where they decided to finally throw it and right. Tannehill throws the interception. So you've got a guy who's who's thrown interceptions throughout the day, who's really not having a great game. You're basically playing for overtime until you get yourself into a position where you say, oh, I think we can win, and ultimately that's the reason you lose. If you were Mike Vrabel or if Mike Masala was the head coach of the Titans, are you trusting Tannehill in that position? Well, what I probably would have done is I probably wouldn't have uh, run the ball in the first place and like actually gone for the win right away instead of taking your time methodically moving down the field with with like three yard runs over and over again, and that way you're not putting all of the pressure on Tannehill. Yes, you're giving him the opportunity to win the game, but you're not like, hey, you need to do it now in like 30 seconds instead of the two minutes or whatever they had before when they got the ball. Um, bad it, it it was it was some bad decisions on that uh, in, in that aspect, <clears throat> but this is this is the offense that you've built. This is this is the the Tannehill experience and. Next year, he I think he costs like thirty eight point six million dollars on their cap. It's it's going to be crazy, uh, a jump from like eleven million this year. So it, they're in a bad spot, and uh, there there are definitely things that you could question there. Um, but that's that. Like I said, that's the Tannehill experience that you built your team around. Uh, Andrew, would you have gone for a win at the end of the game? Yeah, I probably would have. Um... You know, like I said, I think it real going for that two point conversion early on the game really screwed them because I think the score should have been what seventeen to sixteen when you were running out the clock. I think I was been. towards towards the end of the game. I wasn't as locked in. I was uh, doing doing a little bit of a birthday thing, uh, so I didn't get to see the complete final drive. But from what you guys said, I mean, there's a lot of different ways it should have played out for Tennessee, but I probably would have. I'm I yeah yeah I would have gone for the one. See, I'm actually thinking I'm not using this hindsight's 2020 in the moment. I was saying, oh, yeah, they're doing exactly what they should do. Try and put yourself into position where you can kick a game winning field goal. And if you do leave Cincinnati, no time left on the clock. I don't think anybody was expecting there to be an interception. I mean, again, Tannehill hadn't really been playing well until that point. So maybe as a head coach, you recognize who's doing well and who's not doing well. And you don't put players in positions to fail if you think there's a a chance that they might. But, you know, talking a little bit more broadly, you know, the the scope of this weekend, obviously we had great games. If there was another big takeaway that I could, uh, you know, take away from this weekend as a Patriots fan, I'm just looking at the numbers, the stats that these guys put up. A.J. Brown, five receptions, 142 yards and a touchdown. We'll get into the San Francisco game against Green Bay, but Debo Samuel had himself a day. If there wasn't a a perfect time to talk about the 2019 draft for the New England Patriots, it is the divisional weekend of the 2021 playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like it's not a new story, but it's just one that like, Keeps getting thrown like Patriots fans' faces. Like, look at Debo. Look at AJ Brown. And of course, there are other guys in the league. But in the play, you know, in the playoffs where it really matters. I mean, me and Mike were talking about it while we were waiting for you to hop on. Nikhil Harry, the, that experiment is over. That's Has to if, be. 
if if you aren't looking at this weekend and saying you got to move on from Nikhil Harry, <laughs> I don't know. The, the only excuse that I could conjure up that would be positive towards the Patriots is that they're still trying to rely on the run. And I don't even know if that's big. That's as big of a positive. It's a good run game, but it's not the one you can solely rely on. For sure. You know, there was an argument that I heard going into this weekend that if there was a team that Patriots fans should be rooting for to win the Super Bowl, it would be Tennessee Titans. And that's solely based on the fact that they've got a an average to below average quarterback. They rely on the run and they play good defense, which is kind of what you were trying to do in New England this season, last season, even going back to 2018 when Brady was still here. So the fact that that didn't work out and all the teams that are sticking around in the final four have elite quarterbacks with dynamite offenses makes me a little bit concerned. But if we transition on to the, uh, the NFC divisional round green Bay, boy, they've got themselves a, a little bit of a, a problem on their hands. Now we thought that they were, we, 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 <laughs> we thought that last year was bad losing in the conference championship at home to Tampa Bay and Aaron Rodgers basically saying, I never want to play for the green Bay Packers again. What does he say after losing to the San Francisco 49ers for the fourth time in his playoff career at home to uh, get knocked out of the playoffs again? Like, where do the Packers go from here? He's, he's got to be no done. Yeah. yeah. He, he's yeah. got to be done there. LaFleur the said that they want him back, but... I don't know. I don't know how you keep doing that. <laughs> you keep running, running into the same brick wall over and over again. It, it's got to get annoying. And he's part of the problem. Don't get me wrong. Like his, his performance yesterday, uh, 20 of 29, which was, was a solid, uh, accurate passing performance, but you're not, you're not getting into the end zone. You're not, you're, you're forcing throws to double covered players instead of hitting your open guys. It's it's kind of been the Aaron Rodgers story. He looks for his guys, and he he misses the the opportunities to take advantage and and win win games that they they should have won. Any game where the winning team has thirteen points is a very winnable game. And the fact that you lost that game to we, we just talked about how there are elite quarterbacks left. Jimmy's the worst quarterback of the guys that are left, and it's not really close. And the fact that you lost a, a battle to Jimmy Garoppolo to this team again, it, it that should be embarrassing to them. And it, it really wasn't even good, Jimmy. Like at the beginning of the game, he was making some. He, he threw some really nice balls that were just incomplete. And then all of a sudden, he turns into bad Garoppolo. He finishes the game eleven of nineteen, throws an interception. I mean, it, it was absolutely a must-win, should have won game for the Packers. And they, they, they definitely have some problems. Me and what, uh, what do you think is going to happen with Aaron Rodgers? Imagine having Brett, imagine having Brett Favre and then Aaron Rodgers. It's like the same, like broken, like it's just a broken record. And really the only thing is, is Brett Favre is actually kind of more likable than Aaron Rodgers. Easily. Nationally for sure. Yeah. It's, I sympathize with them. It's what do you do? Because to me, Rogers, especially for the last like five years of his playoff career, he's been all show and no go. You know, he just, he doesn't come up in big spots and he'll have a good regular season and it'll get, you know, his team to be a top seed. It's, 
I think it's it's time to move on. And I'm not, I'm not saying that's time for uh, God, not Trey Lance. Who's uh, Jordan? Love. Oh, Jordan Love. Yeah, it, I don't think it's I don't think Jordan Love is the guy either. But yeah, he's uh, after the after the offseason that he had just, you know, bitching and moaning and complaining and, you know, not really giving a clear cut answer as to, you know, is he going to come back? I was expecting actually that the same. I don't know if you guys saw any of his press conference stuff, but I was expecting that like an even worse Aaron Rodgers to come out. And he was literally just like, I don't want to be part of a rebuild, like blah, blah, blah. Like it was kind of just like, wow. Like, if I'm a Packers fan, do I want him around anymore? Well, and I, I don't think it, it would be smart yeah. it, it, for the longevity of the franchise. For And that's kind of what the whole point of drafting Jordan Love was, is preparing for the long-term investment and, and not thinking we're just a quarterback or we're just one player. When I look at this box score, there's two things that really stand out to me. The first thing is... The special teams, the special teams for Green Bay is ultimately what did them in because their defense was was lights out. They played really well. They defended the run really well. Their secondary got hot in the second half of the season. They picked up that guy, Razul Douglas, who was like basically a combination of Trayvon Diggs and J.C. Jackson. Isn't it nice when your defense shows up and plays? Yeah. Isn't that funny how that does that? And the funny thing is, is Jimmy still wasn't. Yeah, but the funny thing is, is Jimmy was not doing anything to help them in return. But the, uh, the biggest issue for me, as I'm looking at the box score, you had two guys that had unbelievable games on Green Bay. Aaron Jones, you know, he, his day running the ball wasn't fantastic, but he had nine receptions for 129 yards. Devontae Adams had nine receptions for 90 yards. Between the two of them, they were targeted 21 times. Aaron Rodgers threw 29 passes. That's your problem. He's too dependent on one or two guys. And I don't think that Lazard, Cobb, uh, Equinemius, St. Brown, like all the guys that Green Bay has had over the past, you know, number of seasons, they're not great players, but they're guys that you need to depend on. We saw Tom Brady in the game yesterday down all of his guys. I have to go to Tyler Johnson, or I have to go to Scotty Miller. And it just seems like Aaron Rodgers does not want to do that. The only other person that was targeted multiple times in that game, have you ever heard of Dominique Daphne? Never heard that name in my life. Never in my life as well. It, but it's tough. The, like they're in a they're in a bad situation. They're because he's he's still under contract. So now you're going to have to try to trade him, which I'm sure people will be willing to do. It's just like, what are you gonna, what are you getting for Aaron Rodgers right now? Especially if the price is now lowered because he doesn't really want to be there. It seems like, um, and, and you, it doesn't. We've only seen one game of Jordan Love, and it was a very bad situation. But it doesn't look like he's the guy. So now, now you're going to be potentially in your first experience without a quarterback waiting in the wings for 30 years, like you're yeah. in a bad spot. And it's not like uh, they have, when he says, you know, we're going to go through a bit of a rebuild. It's really just Devonte Adams. That's like, he's really just talking about, like I'm looking at their free agents right now. Is he really worried about going to like, Oh, I'm sure he's, you know, missing Kevin King. Is he really concerned about that? No, it's probably a plus. 
Right. That is a plus. Kevin King Kevin King blows. So he's just talking about Devontae Adams. You're right back to where you were last year because now Devontae isn't going to want to play without Aaron. Well, so and that brings up the most interesting tidbit of the offseason for the Packers outside of the Aaron Rodgers saga, which I think the two are probably related because if Rodgers is going to continue playing and especially if Rodgers is going to continue playing in Green Bay, he's probably going to be doing it with Devontae Adams. I think this is going to be very similar to the Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski situation where Gronkowski didn't want to play football unless he was playing with Brady. I think Aaron Rodgers is probably not going to want to play football unless he's playing with Adams. Does that complicate things for a trade? Potentially, you know, if I were if I were the Packers, I don't know. Can they franchise Adams? I'm sure they probably could. Right. Well, right now they're like forty five million dollars over the cap next year, I think. But you could still franchise your own player, right? If you're like if you're over the cap, you could I'm sure you'd be able to retain your own player. Only if you got under the cap. Hmm. They'll figure that out. What what does Mike Felger say? Give me a cocktail napkin and I'll I'll figure out the salary <laughs> yeah, cap for you. I'll figure out the math for you. <laughs> but 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 I, I genuinely believe like Rogers and Adams are going to be linked at the hip. If you can retain Adams for Green Bay and then trade the two of them to a destination, that'll probably improve your chances of getting a good return. Because Andrew, you're right. Aaron Rodgers, his value across the league is high but it's not really high in terms of a trade because if he's saying, I don't want to play for this team anymore, I would rather retire. His trade value is essentially nothing. But if you can hook Devontae Adams into it and you sell them as a pair, maybe you can get a return and maybe you can uh, be somewhat relevant going into this next season. And there are going to be quarterbacks that are moving around. I'm not saying you're going to end up with a Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson, but Someone's going to be out of a job that was a starter last year in Green Bay. If they're not ready to go with Jordan Love or if they don't think Jordan Love's the guy, jump on that opportunity to pick them up. Yeah. And uh, in terms of the, you know, we were talking about this earlier. In terms of the draft, not a lot of guys in it. I think the biggest biggest name is uh, probably Kenny Pickett. Yeah. Guy from that's about it. And he's going to go to the Steelers. This is going to be like, the 1983-84 NFL draft where Dan Marino, who had gone to Pitt, and then the Steelers passed over him, and he ends up in Miami. They're not going to make that same mistake twice. They're, they're going to go get Kenny Pickett. He's going to be the homegrown Pittsburgh boy, staying in Pittsburgh, and they'll ride him off into the sunset. But, uh, but Plus, no, I mean... You, if you're Green Bay, do you want to sell Devontae and... Aaron Rodgers as like, you know, are they going to be in the NFC? Where are they going in the NFC? You know, you're not going to sell them to a divisional opponent. Like, I'm not looking to do that if I'm Green Bay. If you were, if you're Green Bay, which one of those guys would you rather? It's, I know only one of them is a free, is a free agent, but who, who would you rather keep? I think I would rather keep Adams, but I don't, but I wouldn't rather keep the receiver over the quarterback, if that makes any sense. I'm exactly the same way. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's it's really you're ta- you're looking at like the personality and the player, and then there's like yeah, but then there's the position. Who do you want to keep? I would keep Adams because I just think with Aaron Rodgers, it's like again, it's a broken record. Like, how long are we going to keep going on with this? You know, failing in the playoffs, in the divisional, in the championship. It's he just he hasn't been able to get over that hump. He just I hasn't. will I will give Aaron Rodgers the benefit of the doubt his playoff legacy 
will 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 go down as mostly a failure, as it probably should. However, disappointment. If you watch the games, he's very much in the same position that Tom Brady was against, like the New York Giants in the Super Bowl, where it's like he did his job, and then some freak thing happened, and he never got a chance to try and win, like losing yeah. the NFC Championship game to the Seattle Seahawks out in Seattle where you had that guy Bostic who missed the, the onside kick. You had uh, the game against Arizona where Rogers leads them down to the, down the field. I think he had one of those miraculous hail Marys to tie the game, send it into overtime. And then all of a sudden the defense just like doesn't show up and uh, Arizona wins that game. You can even say that, uh, you know, maybe the last couple of games against San Francisco and certainly the game against, uh, Tampa Bay, you can make the argument that Rogers didn't do enough, but he's there. He's putting his team in position to win. It's just there's something that seems to be lacking that he can't finish or his teams can't finish. Or, you know, we talk constantly about a quarterback's ability to elevate the players around him. And I don't know if Aaron Rodgers can necessarily do that. I agree. And he just keeps wanting to bring in guy his guys like, Oh, I need I need Randall Cobb. I need like a 34-year-old Randall Cobb in order to be good. I need um who was the guy he was really upset about that they didn't uh that they didn't bring back? Was it uh the oh geez, not Scantlin. Uh wasn't it like Jake Kumaro or something? Yeah, I think it was Jake Kumaro. Jake Kumaro yeah. or Jeff Janis, one of these guys who's like really random. Like he'll catch you like one pass a game, but Aaron Rodgers wanted him back. And that's the nail on the side. And here's the thing, like at the end of the day, two weeks from now, when we're doing the NFL honors, Aaron Rodgers walking with an MVP. Like It's crazy. He's walking out with MVP and he's getting disparaged at the same time because he is the best, one of the best regular season quarterbacks of all time and terrible in the playoffs. I would make the argument. He is the most talented. Well, probably Mahomes or Josh Allen now, but Aaron Rodgers is the most, has been the most talented thrower of the football since I would say Dan Marino, John Elway. Mm-hmm. And it just hasn't been able to translate to, to championships. All right. As great as the weekend of football was, I don't think we've ever had a singular day in the NFL season as wild as Sunday was. Yeah, including did like you, multiple games. Did like, did you oof. did you guys think let's let's go Rams Rams Buccaneers? Uh, hand up. Did you guys think that Tom Brady was gonna come back from a twenty six point deficit in the third quarter to to win a postseason game? Like we all thought that, right? When I saw twenty seven to three on the scoreboard, I was like, "Well, I mean, come on!" <laughs> and it, and they, it was like they missed the extra point too, so it should right. have been twenty eight three. Yeah, I mean, at the no, not at the moment, just because I thought solely based on like the like this is what the story is going to be. This Bucks team is way too banged up. Rams are you know they're the healthier team, they're the more complete team again because of injuries. So no, but like obviously as it was going, like as it was happening, I was like, that's it. They're going to win. Like, the, like no, the, this is how it's going to play out. Because the Rams fumbled that game away long before the last, like long before the Akers fumble. Like they, they tried so freaking hard to just hand that game away and they still won. And they still won. Like, I don't know. 
I don't know. That I, was. I, see, I, I would actually say that if there was going to be a play that was going to be the killer, that was like the dagger, it was going to be the Cooper Cup fumble because that was the one that it really got the Bucks going. Baker's yep. fumble before the half, you know, you're up 20 to three. You would have been going up 28 to three at halftime. Then you get the ball to start the third quarter. You probably do score a touchdown on that drive. Like you did, and the game's totally over. I never really thought that the Buccaneers were quote unquote out of it only because since Tom Brady has left the Patriots, watching him play games is more entertaining than stressful. So it was, it felt inevitable that this was going to become like a, a game game, but much like Sean McDermott said about Bill Belichick in the regular season, let's not give him too much credit. Let's maybe not give Tom Brady too much credit because a lot of stuff had to go right for this game to be close. Yeah. I mean, like, let me ask you guys, did like people are right, like, I know people were comparing it to like, Oh, here we go. It's Atlanta all over again. You know, they were like, the defense was creating those plays. Right. The Rams were quite like I, I think the only really like earned fumble was maybe the two acres ones. Definitely the last one. Definitely the last fumble of the game. But like, you know, snapping it over Stafford's head. Like they the Rams are really trying to hard to just like hand it to him. And the Bucks still weren't like biting until like the last five minutes of the game. That's when that comeback really started to happen. So it's not like nothing was really even being created. It was just being handed it like really that game should have been like freaking 45 to you know, whatever the Bucks scored, whatever the last amount of points the Bucks scored, the Rams were just handing that one away. They were begging to hand that one away. Brady didn't really even have a comeback. He didn't wait. He he literally, I, he, he didn't look all that into the game until the last couple of minutes until he was like, we, we actually might win this one. Like we might. He, he looked checked out and he sounded checked out. I don't know if you guys saw during the pregame where he said, you know, uh, of course, I would love to go to a Super Bowl, but it might not be this year. That tells me he's out. He's checked out. If he doesn't have all of his, it's not the Tom Brady of old. If he quite literally doesn't have 100% of his pieces, he's checked out. He's had worse receiving cores than this. That's very 2019. Patriots. I don't know if he's had worse receiving cores than this. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, he's well, definitely had worse receiving cores than this. You think so? 2006 was way worse than this. Mike Evans is, is, is has had a thousand yards in every season he's been in the NFL. Okay, it's like he's he's a he's a good wide receiver. In two thousand six, they had like Rashe Caldwell. I look at yeah. Mike Evans as being a good wide receiver when you have other guys that that can do like Evans can do some things better than other people, but he doesn't do everything really well. Right? No, definitely. He's 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 more of a I'm a big body. I can go up and get the ball. Or, or comeback put, routes, like they were using. Yeah, I can put my back routes. on somebody. Exactly, like the kill Harry. Um, oh, I'm sorry, no, that he doesn't. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> just like him. But I think, like the watching this game, it was. I I did have the thought of it's a it's 27 to three. Like that would it would be pretty funny. He could do it again, but also I I knew that if Stafford just turned it on, like they could just flip a switch and they could become they could they could easily win this game. And you saw that the last drive when the Bucks defense turned back in, into what they have been pretty much the entire year, when you have a safety playing a Cooper Cup in the middle of the field to give up like a 50-yard play. Like, you just can't do these things because they have no cornerbacks. Even the, even the cornerbacks that they come back and been healthy haven't been all that good. 
You are just set up to fail with the amount of talent that the Rams have. If the Rams aren't making mistakes, they should be the best team in the NFL. Like they have the most talent. They're yeah. stacked. And, and, yep. and I was, this is probably the closest I've watched a Rams team, maybe not all season, but definitely since the acquisitions that they made during the year with, with, with Beckham and Von Miller and both those guys showed up to play. Mm-hmm. I, I, I thought that, OBJ was probably going to have more of an impact on the Rams than Von Miller was because I thought that Von Miller was done. He's not. Nope. Like he's still got just enough left in the tank for one more run. And I think that teaming him up with with Aaron Donald and they they've got uh, you know another guy who can come off the other side and and provide pressure. And Jalen Ramsey was his stud outside of that one play with Mike Evans like the Rams defense is going to be hard to score against. And, and the only reason that Tampa Bay was able to do so is because they had those short fields. Right. Right. Even before that last, uh, that touchdown to Mike Evans, there was one drive where Brady was eating Ramsey alive. Like, I think he went back to Evans on just, it was like comeback routes, like two or three in a row or just stop, like simple stop routes. And Ramsey's playing off Evans, like five, it's stuff like that that really convinces me that Mike Ramsey might be a little overrated, like a sneaky overrated quarterback. Just with like I, that, with stuff like that. I think that that's possible. I mean, he's he's a bigger guy, so I think that it's easier for him to cover different types of receivers. Yeah, but he's probably not as fluid of a like a, a route follower as like a Gilmore was or a Reeves was. And he's probably not as aggressive as like, uh, um, I don't know, you name it. Marcus Peters or Trey. Yeah, Marcus. Yeah, like guys that are going to try and step up on the ball and make plays like that. But but no, Ramsey's, uh, I'd like to have him on my team. I don't know if I would want to be paying. Oh, yeah, I'm not saying a million dollars a year, but he, he provides enough coverage for one side of the field where you can do things different defensively. Yeah. Who's a better cornerback, Jalen Ramsey or JC Jackson? Oh, Jalen, Jalen Ramsey. Ramsey. Right. Yeah. And and I, I just, I I just, just wanted to gauge that. the temperature of the room. Oh yeah. no. So we have <laughs> a mysterious we we haven't we have a secret episode 71 that's in the hopper somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. <laughs> where we talk about JC Jackson. And Perfect. I think me and I are both kind of done with JC Jackson. Sounds good. Yeah. yeah. That's not so done, but definitely not lockdown money. Um, hey, what about the uh, penalties in this one? How do you, do you guys want to go in the order of like how they happened? Yeah, so I, I don't have all, all the penalties listed, but the two that stand out to me are obviously the well, yeah, not all like them, calls like the on that stand out on Sue and the unsportsmanlike call on Brady. First of all, I'll go in reverse order. The the Tom Brady bloody lip thing was way overplayed during the game. Thank you. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Was, am I the only one who thought that? I couldn't tell that his lip was bleeding. His chin strap went up into his lip. Like big whoop. Boo-hoo. Should it have been should it have been a penalty? Yes. Is it yeah. the end of the world that it wasn't a penalty? No. Should Brady have been given a penalty for unsportsmanlike conduct by the ref? Absolutely no. not. No, Absolutely that was not. That was a that was a little ridiculous. But in and terms then, of consistency, we've seen Mac get hit like that. It's just sure. it's it's a big example of just the inconsistency of the league. And I get that's why Brady was pissed and he should have never gotten an unsportsmanlike conduct for that. But that's the inconsistency of the league. But I think the same thing about the suit penalty. Like, what's he getting an unsportsmanlike conduct because he's getting in the face of Matthew Stafford? I don't think Stafford kicked him. 
Like that was another thing that I thought was kind of played up on the broadcast. They overheard him on the microphone saying he kicked me. And then they're like, he swiped his legs at me. It didn't really look like that. But me and this kind of goes back to what you were saying about the Buccaneers in the regular season, how they're kind of a dumb team. They yep. will take penalties. They're a little undisciplined and it will give the other team a chance to win the game. And that's kind of what ended up doing the Buccaneers in dumb football team. That's why I was not very, by the way, if there's anybody who should not, who should be complain who shouldn't be complaining about a player kicking them. It's a Dockham. So like, come on. And Donka Kong. Sorry. Did I miss whatever? Sue, you <laughs> kicked Aaron Rodgers in the balls like seven or eight years ago. Like, I don't think you have the right to complain about people kicking you and he didn't kick you, but that's why I was not that all like, is it very impressive for a team to bring back all 22 starters? Yes. Am I surprised when you have a guy like Tom Brady and who might be in his last years? And like, this is like the bucks. This is your time to get like as much of this, like, you know, as possible into a couple of seasons. Like after that, you know, like, unless I don't know what you're going to do a quarterback, but that might be it. Um, so am I surprised that like Brady was able to retain those guys? No, but then you have the injuries. They're still, you know, those same guys are committing dumb, stupid mistakes, and it's happened all year. So, like, I, I, I had the Rams in this one just because I thought the Rams were the more complete team walking into it. You know, no injuries, better defense, a little bit more disciplined. My God, did they make a crap ton of mistakes? And it's really like it's they're a fun team to watch. And then dumb crap like that happens in the middle of the game. And you're just like, why? But I had the Rams in this one. My only take on the penalties is I don't think you should ever be penalized for saying something. And unless it's like a racial slur, that's it. Yeah, that's the only time like words, words or like a couple weeks ago when Trent Brown was penalized for like going like this, like. Yeah, and David Andrews like chest bumping a guy. Like, unless unless there are like actual fights going on, like I don't want in sports like conduct penalties being thrown around. Or the Tyreek Hill peace sign because that's basically the equivalent of the middle finger. He did it yesterday and he didn't get called for it <laughs> to a guy in front of him. He, exactly <laughs> that that was the best. That's, like that's gotta, when you know you got to throw the taunting thing out the window. You've got to throw it out there because they much like a catch, they don't know what ta- they clearly don't know what taunting is. Like throwing right. up the peace sign on your way to the end zone, that's not a taunting penalty. I, uh, somebody did it a couple weeks ago. Who uh, who dove into the end zone grabbing their crotch? That's not taunting. We're not flagging oh, it that. Was, it was yeah. Um, was that Bucks Patriots game? That was Xavier Howard. Patriots? Oh, was it Xavier Howard? Yeah, against the Patriots, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I thought it happened during Wild Card Weekend. Um, but yeah, like, but you know. Kyle Pitt spins a ball on the sideline during an Atlanta game, and he'll get flagged for that. What is taunting? It just yeah, and I think <laughs> the reason that they do it is to try and prevent things from boiling over. Yeah, like they don't they don't want players to be getting in each other's faces, and then all of a sudden somebody snaps, and it turns into a violent situation. But at the same time, you've got to understand that these guys are emotional. And a lot of times it might be better for them to take out their emotion with a peace sign instead of, you know, a crackback block in the middle of the field and, and paralyzing a guy. So right. Right. pick your battles, NFL. Pick your battles. Uh, real quick, before we move on to the final game of Divisional Weekend, two-pronged question now. If you are Tom Brady, 
Would you rather have the Patriots offense in 2022 or the Buccaneers offense in 2022? Mind you, Antonio Brown's probably not going to be on that offense for the Bucs. And Chris Godwin is coming off of a torn ACL. Who knows when he'll be back? That's if you're Tom Brady. And going forward, starting in 2022, would you rather be the New England Patriots or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with at least one more season of Tom Brady? I would say that obviously there's, there's stuff that needs to be figured out. Like we, we don't know what Godwin's going to be. We don't know. He's a free agent. So we could technically not even be with a team next year. Um, But I think if, if the Patriots don't get a number one receiver, during this offseason, you have, I think you, you would have to choose Tampa Bay's offense just for the fact that I think at this point in their careers, I think Mike Evans has been a better receiver than any of the other guys in New England. And I think Rob Gronkowski and Hunter Henry aren't all that far apart. I would agree I think, with that. I think they're very similar right now. Um, there's also the question of what your head coach looks like because <laughs> there's been rumors of, um, a potential split. No, uh, no, no. BA six is coming back. Yeah, of course. I I, I heard uh, Bruce Arians say that his job is his job is completely fine. No one has talked to him about it. Um, but yeah, I think I think you have to take, I think you have to take the Bucks offense right now. Andrew, do you agree with that? Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, I let me call it you know call it biased if you want. I would take the Patriots. Because obviously you don't have Antonio Brown. If if I'm thinking about what they really are going to do in the offseason, I do think they are going to try to go after getting a number one. There's a lot of free agent receivers that are set to hit the market. Um, forget the end. Like Mike said, you know, the knee injury, is Chris Godwin going to want a bigger contract? You know, are people going to offer him a bigger contract? I don't know. You there's I think there's too many questions with the Bucks, because you saw how it fell apart towards the end of the season. As much as I like Mac Jones, and obviously he's the future, and this is just a hypothetical, you know, obviously if you stick Brady in that offense, it's in just because it's a vet, you know, we're speaking about a veteran. I think you operate better. Um, and again, just because again, you have Tom Brady as a veteran in that offense, I would have to take the Patriots. I think there's just, it, there's a lot of questions with both offenses, but I think there's just one more with the Bucks. I think as currently constituted, it would be very difficult to say that the Patriots offense wouldn't be a more uh, appealing place to play as a quarterback than the Buccaneers. Because in Tampa Bay, all you're really able to depend on right now is Mike Evans, Rob yeah. Gronkowski, and Leonard Fournette. At least in New England, you've got a couple of running backs that you can depend on. You've got maybe not two tight ends, but Hunter Henry that is, is, as Mike said, probably the equivalent of Rob Gronkowski, which is good. That's like that's a good player to have in your in your arsenal. The question really comes down to: Would you rather have Mike Evans and two subpar receivers, or essentially three subpar receivers? <laughs> But I would say that those three subpar receivers play like twos and threes. The receivers in Tampa Bay are going to be like fours and fives. Yeah. So it really does become 
would you rather have the high end talent in one guy or a little bit more balance? And I think that if I'm Tom Brady, I look for the balance. You know, it's nice to have a guy that you can depend on. But like we saw with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, if I'm throwing 20 of my 29 targets to two different guys, eventually it's going to get a little old and I'm not going to be able to do a whole lot offensively. I think, though, if I had to choose a team, I'd still probably take the Buccaneers over the Patriots just because their defense does have players on it. Levante David is getting up there in age and Dominican Sue is certainly getting up there in age. But let's not forget, they still have Shaq Barrett. They still have Vita Vea. They know that their secondary sucks. I like Winfield Jr. as a safety. They're probably going to have to address it in the offseason or in the draft. They were banged up a little on the offensive line. There are lots of excuses and reasons you can say. But I think if I'm Brady, I would I would rather be playing with the Patriots offense. But if I'm overall saying which team would I rather be right now, I still think I would rather be the Buccaneers. I just think that if you look at the Patriots offense right now, I think they're very similar. They are, they are better. There are some better players there to the 2019 season where he was the unhappiest 10 and 0 quarterback of all time or whatever he said. Like, I don't think he wants to go through that again, where he now has to uh, rely on guys who are lesser targets the whole, his whole time. Like, I think he wants his, his go-to guy. And I think there are some pieces in there that could be that. Like we know that he trusts Scotty Miller and like Scotty Miller, he used him well before Antonio Brown was there. And had a wide open yesterday. Yeah, there are, there are a lot of a lot of questions about like again who who is coming back the the Bucks free agent list it, it is long like they because everybody resigned and they all resigned on like one year deals like Chris Godwin's a free agent Jason Pierre Paul's a free agent their center their right guard Adama Kinsu Rob Gronkowski Leonard Fournette OJ Howard all these guys all free agents so you have I just think like we've seen Brady with a lesser offense at this point in his career and how unhappy he gets even if they're performing well. And I don't know if he wants to do that. that really, yeah, I just, I, I, I don't know how much of a lesser offense the Buccaneers or the Patriots are, is to the Buccaneers. I mean, I, I, I think Mike, like we said, Mike Evans is a really, really good receiver. He does things on the football field better than everybody else, but he doesn't do everything really mm-hmm. well. Yeah. I think you're a little bit more limited with the Buccaneers because you've only got three guys at least with the Patriots offense, you, you have a, a number of guys who can do similar things. It might not be a high ceiling, but the floor is certainly going to be a hell of a lot higher. Yeah, right. I can see that. There's there's more questions with one than the other. That's the way I look at it. You know, like, like Mike said, that free agent list is long. That actually kind of leads me to another thing. So a lot of these guys were on one-year deals. Like, do you guys think Brady's done? Do you think he's leaving? No, no, no. That that whole one year, those guys on one year deals kind of like gets me thinking about it now. Like, maybe did he know that? Like, you know what? This is going to be. I honestly think he was trying to go for the undefeated season because that's oh, the yeah. whole. That was the whole talk. Like, if there's one Super Bowl loss that he wants to take back, it's 07. Like I also don't. think that he was trying to break the touchdown record. Yeah, yeah. He's and he came eleven short. Yeah, he's got to be Mr. Perfect. And I'm sorry, he just did not look, even at the beginning of the game, he didn't look all that into it. It's just, it's not, if it's not what he wants, 100% what's what he wants, 
because I don't think it's not the Tom Brady of old. Like, he, is he still good? Absolutely. He's great. But there's just that one thing where he doesn't want to, he used to be able to elevate other guys and want to elevate other guys. But do you think there's some part of him where he's like, no, it's like, I, I need to have all my pieces. Like, well, I don't want to say it's his age, but elevate guys. This is, this is the, the tough thing for me as a Tom Brady fanboy. Who did he elevate over the course of his career into being like a Pro Bowl level receiver? That wasn't already a Pro Bowl level receiver. So Scotty Miller, say- Tyler Johnson, Cameron Bray, OJ Howard, Giovanni Bernard. Those were the guys outside of the top three who were all very good players that yeah. Tampa Bay had. I don't know if he really elevated any of those guys or if he would have elevated those guys into being great players back in the day. Or did he want to? Yeah. I think I think uh, I think a younger player would buy into you know, a younger Brady would buy into that. Cause I think he used to he used to be able to do that. Like I know there's not a big age disparity from now. I need and- some examples though, because I can't think of anything. Cause I-, I look at Tom Brady as always being very impatient. He was impatient with veterans when they would bring veterans in and they couldn't get it. I mean, the only the only guys I think of who probably would have been worse without Brady would be your your two slot receivers. Like I think Wes Welker and, and Julian Edelman in their careers. Amidola. I don't think they have the careers that Amidola probably, that, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So like, like I'm I'm thinking more like Brandon LaFell level. Like Brandon okay. LaFell came here and he was like a pretty good receiver. Yeah. And before that and after that he was close to nothing. Right, right, right. right. I mean you could say the same thing about like Dion went to Seattle and he wasn't really all that good after when he when he went there. Dante Stallworth was back and forth. Um, like there had been guys, David Givens, I think was with the Chargers and Brishay Caldwell, I think as well. Like these are all guys who were names in New England at least and and went elsewhere and didn't really do a whole lot. Like you could but you could also say the same thing about like Jabbar Gaffney was decent elsewhere and like so there have been other cases of other guys succeeding in other places as well so i don't really know if there's a a whole list of guys that brady's made much better it it would and it's that's obviously a very subjective conversation to have a lot of it's going to come down to opinion i'm sure there are probably numbers that you can say well they they did this while they were in new england and they did this where they were elsewhere but Again, so much of the Patriots, we have to give credit to Bill Belichick. He puts players in position to succeed. Other coaches don't do that. So maybe if Tom Brady had these players in New England, they wouldn't be as as uh, underrated, bad. Like they, they might be better, is what I'm right. saying. Yeah, they, yeah, they might definitely be see that. You know, they might be coached up into becoming better players. Right. Right. All right, final game on the docket. I don't know if this was the best game of the weekend for you guys or not. I, I still liked the Tampa Bay-LA game better, but this was... Talk about exciting finishes. Kansas City knocking out the Buffalo Bills 42-36 to in overtime to advance to their fourth straight AFC Championship game. Mike, take, take away this game. T- take this game from me because I, I want to hear what you guys have to say about it before I give my two cents. I think it was incredible, an incredible game. I think there, uh, I've heard a lot of people are already talking about like, this is the best football game ever played already. 
Like, and I think a little bit of that is probably overstated and recency bias, but it was, it was one of the most entertaining games I've ever watched. And to have a minute 54 left in the game. And from that point, there were five total scores <laughs> with a minute 54 left. The ball went back and forth five times. The, one of the better, like offensive football is, is always going to be key. Like, I think everybody wants to watch that. Nobody is going to want to sit around and watch uh, Patriots bills and in, in week nine or whatever that, whatever that game was like, no one, no one's going to sit around and, and want to watch that game. This is the game. The, the two, arguably the two best quarterbacks in the AFC battling it out, throwing punches, scoring touchdowns. It, it You can't get better than this in, in, in this season of football. Was it my turn? Ian, you, yeah, you got a take on it? <laughs> well, geez, I mean, you know, Mian, what's your take? Well, Nick, thanks for asking. I no, said I wanted sorry. to hear you guys talk before I gave my takes. No, I know. I'm just kidding. Sorry, I was actually pull. I was trying to pull something up, so I couldn't. I didn't see the. Uh, I didn't have you guys in front of me. But anywho, final two minutes. Josh Allen, five of seven, 102 passing yards, two touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes, ten of thirteen. 188 passing yards, two touchdowns. I've used the phrase, like, you can't make this stuff up a lot in my life. You you quite literally, like, if like if you had asked me, like, to pick a game where you, to try and prove where you think the NFL is scripted, it's that. Like, it's, and I'm not saying it is, but, like, it's, you do, like, you can't make this shit up. It's, it's, it's crazy. Like, you really, like... 13 seconds is plenty enough time for, and believe me, I think the Bills screwed themselves out of this one. And honestly, I think the Kansas City had some of that too. I think they got too cute on that third and one where they went wildcat. They should have scored on that third and third and one, just run it up the gut. I mean, come on. Uh, you know, uh, for the Bills, 13 seconds, or it wasn't uh, how much time? Yeah, was it 13 seconds total on the clock? Left yeah. even after the kickoff. Yep. Why are you kicking it out? Kick it into play. Why are you kicking in the back of the end zone? Run the clock. Like, come on. What are we thinking here? And then even like Leslie Fra- Leslie Frazier, poor defensive play calling in those last couple of times. Not not very aggressive. You know, take taking on Kelsey and Tyreek. It's. Oh. Four four score changes or three score changes in the last minute and a half, practically. That was wild. And you know what? As a Patriots fan, we got a lot to you know we got a lot to try to compete with that. But it's really honestly, I think you really saw your number one and number two team in the AFC go at it last night. Those were really your your one and two seeds. Yeah. No, I I sent the tweet out. Before the game even started, after after the NFC game was over, I was like, "This is the Super Bowl. Whoever wins yeah. this game is going to win the Super Bowl, and it's off. And it's probably going to be the best game to be played of you know, oh, is there three games left now in the NFL season? Two conference championships and the Super Bowl. Yes. So we probably saw the best game of the season last night. Yep. It'll be tough to top at least. Um, I kind of look at it was entertaining. It was fun to watch. I wanted Buffalo to come out on top because I look at Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs as the biggest threat to the Patriots legacy. 
if they get going and they can keep it going, it, it, it's going to be tough to watch tough and tough to swallow as a Patriots fan with the bills. You know, they're also a team that's on the rise, but I also think that they're a team that, that does have some flaws and Kansas city certainly has flaws as well. If I'm thinking long-term, I do not want games to be like this as an NFL fan. This is the type of game where it's almost like the cherry on top. You, you enjoy the Sunday and then you get to the last piece that's a little bit different than everything else. And it's still similar, but it makes things better because it, it, it does kind of like add a little bit extra. Yeah. If we get this week in and week out, whether it's postseason, regular season, preseason, football will no longer be fun. No, I don't think it, you're going to get that. No, I don't think. But it, it, but it, but it does kind of. But what makes me nervous is we watch the Kansas City Chiefs play. This is how they play football games. This mm. is what like Andy Reid's line at the end of the game that when times look grim, be the grim reaper like that's who Patrick Mahomes is. That's who he was in the 2018 AFC championship game. That's who he's going to continue to probably be 13 seconds to go 44 yards to kick a game tying field goal. Like it, it's, it, it's the type of stuff that you say like, yeah, this has to be scripted. The problem is scripted for who? Right. And the, the, the thing is like, not the good thing about that is that not all teams have a Patrick Mahomes who can, who can make this happen. Right. Like the good thing about the, these games and why I think a lot of people enjoy them is because they're not, this isn't like a, a super common occurrence. Like we, like if you go back to two years, I think now um, when they were playing the Rams like twice a year and they were all, every game was like 50, a 50 point game. Like everybody was scoring 50. Like those are, these are the exciting games that like, it, it's an outlier. It makes it makes it exciting that you get to see this. Like I don't want that all the time. I'd rather have a game that's 27, 24, like stuff like that, like week in and week out. But it is cool to have these these outbursts every once in a while. How many if 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 I were to give you before the game and I came to you and I said, Hey, I, I saw this game from the future. Of all of the weapons between these two teams. How many names would you go through before you picked uh, Gabe Davis being the guy who goes for 201 and four touchdowns? Who? <laughs> Mike Jones. Mike Jones. <laughs> Just kidding. What's up, man? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Didn't he set a record? He's the first receiver to ever yeah. catch four touchdown passes in a, in a playoff game. Yeah. He's he was pretty close to, the, I think, the yards. I think yards is like 230 or something like that, also by Buffalo Bill. So I think he was like very close to both records it's crazy and it's and it's like you said this is the outlier not every team has a Patrick Mahomes and not every team has a Josh Allen but the concern that I have is these two teams are gonna, they're going to be playing each other this is the new Brady Manning are we just going to be getting twice a year games like this because even even if that's the case and that's fine as long as it's just when these two teams play against each other you got high powered explosive offenses that can score 30 points in two minutes right I still don't know if I necessarily want that. It's it, you got to think of it too as like eventually you got to think teams are going to start smartening up and realizing like this is how you defend the Chiefs. Like we we always talk about like Belichick in the 2018 AFC Championship game 
and going forward. He's built his defense. This is how I want to stop the Chiefs. And he was able, he wasn't able to beat them every time, but he was able to slow them down, not make them go off for 40, 50 points every time. So I think eventually you you should be able to see that catch up to them. And, and again, who knows if they're able to sustain with the past prime Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill moves on. Like it's it's tough to sustain that kind of success. We've only seen it in New England, so it's it's going to be it it would be difficult to expect them to keep continue to doing that for five ten years. I don't know how active you guys were on Twitter after the game last night. Me and you said you didn't fall asleep until about one a.m. So I'm assuming you probably came across some of the uh, some of the I don't know if conjecture is the right word. It's the word I'm going to use, though. Uh, People on social media still hate the fact that both teams don't get a chance to touch the ball in overtime in the NFL playoffs. I don't think that it is a a problem. I don't think that there's an issue with the rule. And I also don't look at it as like, well, that's the rule. You play by the rules and blah, 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 blah. The way it used to be like a decade ago where all you had to do was win the coin toss, get to the opponent's 30-yard line and kick a field goal, and overtime could be over in like 45 seconds. That was a little cheap. But offense and defense are equally important. And if your defense can't stop the other team's offense, I don't really think that it's necessary that your offense gets a chance against the other team's defense. So... I don't mind the rules the way that they are. I think that they should stay this way. I would dislike it if they changed them unless they went to some different type of format altogether. Uh, Mian or Masala, either one of you has a scorching hot take on overtime rules in the NFL playoffs. Now's the time to get it off your chest. I mean, not really. Uh, it's It would have been, Josh Allen said it best in his press conference, we would have been celebrating if we got the ball. No doubt in my mind, the Bills win win last night's game. It's 2018 AFC Championship all over again. It makes you think, what would have happened if Mahomes got the ball? Casey, you rooting for that rule change now? You know, what comes around goes around. The table's turned in your favor. Your defense is out there. I think Alex Barth said said it best. It's really plain and simple. So from Alex Barth on Twitter, if you don't want to fall victim to the overtime rules, don't play your final defensive drive of regulation like you're okay with with the game going to overtime. It's fair. Don't kick the ball out of, you know, into the end zone and give them full, you know, full 13 seconds because, you know, this is a high, high power. They're a different team from when you played them in. What was it? Week five like or five? Week Earlier four or five. Year, yeah. Totally different team. Casey pulled it out of their ass and they put it together. Don't give them any time. And it's just a basic thing. Just kick the freaking ball into play and run the time. Squib it. Like, what are you doing? Well, the, the clock only starts once they touch it, though. Right. So, yeah, but it it would still probably kill like three or four seconds off the clock. Mm-hmm. All the more you need. All the, all the more time that's going back into your favor. Mike, so, do no, you go ahead? My bad. Yeah. Mike, do you do you have issues with the overtime format? I would like to see them get an opportunity, but I don't have any other. I don't have any other suggestion like how you finish this because if both teams score and then what, then a team gets to hold it twice now instead of the other team getting it only once. So it's like the same, it's the same issue. Um, unless there was like some other way, like, 
uh, shootout, an NFL style shootout. Uh, when you're 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 just kicking field goals, uh, you have one guy rushing or something like that. I don't know. That's something ridiculous. That but, would actually be. Huh? <laughs> like uh, whoever can kick the most 60 yard field goals in five attempts. Like, I don't know. There, there's no, or you can kick a 50 yard field goal for four points. <laughs> I love it. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't think, uh, I don't think there's anything like a, a specific fix for it. So I, I, I'm not mad at the rule, um, but I, I do understand the the whole point. And I also understand your, your side of it, that defense should be important and you should be thinking, Guys, we need to do everything possible to keep them out of the end zone instead of let's just let them drive up and down the field because that like Leslie Frazier was getting interviews in Miami too yeah. uh, up until this past week. That hurts. Uh, the, I think he just lost himself a job Probably. <laughs> like, or, or at least consideration for a job because you easily let them go up and down the field multiple times. Yeah. And honestly, these teams were playing like their last touchdowns have to be walk-offs. Like Kansas City, okay, Tyreek Hill went for like, what, 40 yards or 50 yards on that touchdown reception? 64 yards. 64 yards? <laughs> this guy, like, yeah. He's fast, but like now you are now you give him a minute. Now you're giving Buffalo a minute. Whatever happened to just take taking your time? I know you need a touchdown, but we're acting like every single throw needs to be a walk-off. And like I, I sent out, a, I tweeted it out. I was like, Andy Reid clock management strikes again. It's back. <laughs> like he's not that good at it. So I think that the, I think the rules are, are perfectly fine. I understand why some people would complain. It's usually people that come out on the, the short end of the stick. But if they were going to change it, I would have no problem with them going to the overtime format in college football. Put the ball on the 20 yard line. And it's basically red zone offense versus red zone defense. You got four downs to try and convert a first down. You got to try and score after the, after each team possesses the ball. Once you have to start going for two, like you'll definitely make things happen quicker. And it's still going to stimulate the, the feel of football. Like we're not totally going to the shootout or the field goal competition. Um, you're taking away some aspects of the game. You're definitely taking away special teams entirely, but you're still at least giving both sides an opportunity to quote unquote, win the game. Right. Which is what everybody wants is in this world of equality. When 60 minutes of football is not enough, we need another 15 minutes where everybody gets a fair chance. Gentlemen, we are moving on to the conference championship. There's three games left to go on the NFL season. Los Angeles Rams will be hosting the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs will be hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. Do we have our Super Bowl matchup? I, I think we, we have it right now. Um, and I think it's kind of the one the NFL wants. <laughs> like I think... I think the Chiefs are going to end up playing the Rams, and I think that's kind of what the NFL is, is hoping for in this scenario. Um, I'm rooting like hell for the 49ers. Like I, I would love to see Jimmy win a Super Bowl, and I, I want to see what happens in San Francisco when they just drafted a guy to be to replace Jimmy Garoppolo. With They've the announced overall that, pick. right? They're thinking about they're, they're thinking about moving on from their quarterback who has uh, done nothing but win games for them. <laughs> 
and he goes out and wins the Super Bowl. I would love to see just the panic ensue uh, across San Francisco for that. See, I'd like to agree with that, but even after last Saturday night's game against Green Bay, I don't think Jimmy did anything like spectacular. He was like 11 and 19 for 130 yards. That's what makes it so funny. He's a perfect (laughs) game manager, man. He's Alex Smith. He's old school Tom Brady. He's the perfect game manager. Um, I I honestly, I think it's just the Rams are the more, uh, are the better team. And unless they plan on trying to fumble this one away, uh, I don't expect the Rams special teams to kind of screw them up on this one. So I think I'm I'm on it with Mike, though. I think it's going to be Rams Chiefs. Correct me if I'm wrong. The 49ers had to wait until the 18th week of the season to clinch a playoff spot, right? I believe so. And I believe it also came against the Los Angeles Rams and they came back from like a 17 point deficit or something like that. Sounds right. Also believe that the San Francisco 49ers in their last six games against the LA Rams are six and up. I'm not saying that's I'm not saying San Francisco is totally out of this. I think everybody should be picking the Rams, but San Francisco finds a way to play them tough, to play them tight and and figures out a way to win games. So I actually think we're in for a rematch of Super Bowl 54. I think it's going to be the Chiefs and the 49ers. And the Chiefs now are not the Chiefs like they were two years ago. And the 49ers now are maybe a little bit better than they were a couple of years ago. But like you said, a healthy Jimmy Garoppolo has never really lost in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So that's where I think I'm going, but it sounds like the three of us are all taking the chiefs to come out of the AFC. If there is a team that I want to see win the super bowl though, it's the Cincinnati Bengals. Cause again, I think that would just be funny. It would be funny. It would be the funnier storyline. Oh, gentlemen, what a weekend of football. What a weekend. What a week we get to look forward to now. And as we look forward to this week coming up, I have to ask, does anybody have a final blow? I guess uh, getting more into uh, the Bruins and Celtics, I guess, would be my final blow because I haven't haven't fully uh, dove in there uh, yet. Um, But they've they've been on some nice little runs. The Celtics continue to be 500 every week I look and every week they're 500. Um, The Bruins... Do some things. Tuka Rask is back. Yeah, <laughs> he is. He certainly <laughs> is. He's, he certainly is back. Andrew, do you have a final blow? Uh, <laughs> Bruins are more entertaining to watch. That, that's ultimately what I was going to say. If, if you haven't yeah. been watching the Bruins, they're a fun product again. Mm-hmm. They've, they've figured out how to spread the talent around up front. Defense is still a little shaky. Goaltending is is interesting to watch because there's an extra angle. You know, when Tuka Rask lit up five goals in the first period against Carolina, I <laughs> wasn't looking too good at that point. But they've been able to bounce back short memories. They continue to put goals in the back of the net. Uh, scary moment where Marshan almost got injured or he did get injured, had to miss the second half of a game against Washington was able to come back and, and, and didn't miss any time. Uh, I think as we get closer and closer to the trade deadline, though, that's when, when things are really going to pick up for the Bruins is, is they're going to figure out, do we have a team that we're really willing to make a, a final push for, or do we do nothing? Or do we trade a guy like DeBrusque and trade a guy like 
uh, you know, maybe Eric Halla and sell high on, on a guy like him. There's going to be some storylines with the Bruins going forward. Definitely. And the Celtics. <laughs> I don't know about the Celtics. They're, I think they they're suck. my favorite team to root against. I, I love it every time. It's a good Blow it up. It. Blow it, it up. That is a good Please. way of putting it. Well, gentlemen, I think that's going to do it for another episode of Moving the Goalposts, episode 71. A Taylor Hall 71. Uh, Russ Hochstein 71. Michael Owen 71. A Yuri Slager 71. Uh, 71, I think, has been somebody from the Celtics, and I can't remember who it is. A Dennis Schroeder 71. Thank you. Thank you. A why do I feel like it's a Brandon Dedrick 71? Ooh, Brandon Dedrick, I think was 71. This is good. Now I gotta look it up. Who else has been 70? And Evgeny Malkin 71. Brandon Dedrick 71. That's that's a great call. That's a one of the better polls I've seen. Uh, let's see. 71. Phil, uh, Phillips Valdez, 71. Cameron Fleming, 71. Cameron mm-hmm. Fleming, 71. That's a good one. Uh, nope, he's 17. Uh, Danny Shelton. Danny Shelton, Danny 71. 71. That's another good one. 71. It's like a little underrated number for the Patriots. Couldn't really. I, I don't know why. I couldn't really. Uh, couldn't really think of that one. I was having a little issue, a little, little, little troll there. That's okay. We get, we got a second chance at it. We did. Episode 71 <laughs> of Moving the Goalposts. As always, we want to make sure that you folks are following along throughout the week. You can catch me on Twitter at NickMara94. Mike is available at Mike underscore Masala. Producer extraordinaire Andrew Meehan. He can be followed at me and A underscore 83. Mike, till next time. Later, brother. Peace.